Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to our wrestling podcast. So, without further ado, the following podcast is scheduled for one fall, and today's topic, the legacy of Owen Hart. Podcast. This is Dave along with Jess. Um, hi. Yeah, and cuz. Good to be here, bud. Yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Bringing you our hey, perspective on the world of episode. professional wrestling. No inside sources, no ties to the industry, just stories from the diehards, sharing opinions with you. And now on for our topic today, we are exploring the bio, the legacy. Legacy. Of Owen Hart, guys. As always, you can reach us via Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or you can do the easy thing, download WrestlePost at no charge to you and join us along with other great podcasts of the day. So, guys, you know, I got to tell you, we just came off our Stone Cold Podcast. I know we've been laying some things down in between here and there. Um, I just want to talk about what do you guys feel about the Stone Cold uh, legacy before we jump into Owen Hart. How do you guys feel about it? You feel good? You feel like, ah, you know, not getting what we want. How do you feel about it? I think our legacy episodes actually have been doing the best. Before we named them the legacy episodes, we did the Hogan versus Flair. And that just like on both SoundCloud and YouTube, it just spiked huge. And people loved it. Probably because of the names, but at the same time, like we kind of were like, okay, like people like the the focused like topics, you know, like, so we started, we did Macho Man. Macho Man did okay. And I don't mean to shit on him. We split him into two parts, which is probably a mistake on our part. Um, you part learn one did move on, bro. Sorry. Go you ahead. Said you, you just learn and you move on. We maybe yeah. we shouldn't have done that. I agree with you. Yeah. Part one did good. Part two was WCW. And like, even though it was during the WCW hot period, it just didn't people, when people hear WCW, cause it's out of business now, they're just like, eh, I don't care. And, and let's face it, like WCW went out of business in 2001. Yeah. It's like, that's a long time. That's yeah. a long time. So people, most wrestling fans now are like, what's that? That's something that we hear about vaguely, you know? So it's something, didn't Eric Bischoff create that or something? He started oh that. <laughs> like, no, I mean, seriously, most people probably think that dumb he's shit. Got so like, that's, oh, yeah. So, so Macho Man did okay. So we were like, okay. So when we decided to do the next legacy, which we all agreed on Bro. Stone Cold before, obviously way before, um, 
we just said we're going to do one part and it ended up being like two hours and 40 minutes. And I'm telling you right now, it's trending to be probably one of our most listened to episode right now. It's in the top five. I think when it's all done, it'll be number three, number two. It might take number one, but that's going to be hard to do, but it's on its way. So people are responding to Stone Cold and uh, listening back to that episode. I've listened to it like three times. Um, We did a pretty good. We did a very good job. A very good job. And, uh, you know, it's hard to cover everything. Like I said, at the end of that episode, we didn't really cover in detail the Corvette or the Zamboni or the beer truck. But I think we did a really good job of just covering his career, you know, without covering people like certain uh, landmarks talked about, you know, this this happened and this happened. But we were just really kind of covering the stretch of of Steve Austin, not even stone cold of Steve Austin. And I think that's, we stuck loyal to that and we did really well. And it's a very good episode. I I really, I really like it a lot. And a lot of people are responding well to it. And uh, it's, it's good. I think all three of us got our feelings across about what we feel about him stone cold or Steve Austin, I should say as a, as a wrestler. And uh, it's, it's a really good episode. So I look forward to this one. There you go. So anyway, um, let's move on. We're, we're going to get Owen Hart. I, you know, I got to tell you guys when, when we're at the ages that we were at, when Owen Hart was where he was, uh, Owen Hart was in a class all by himself. We'll get into it. <clears throat> I don't think people really understand what Owen Hart was and probably what he, um, what he left as a, as a relevant imprint on professional wrestling, that high flying, that, um, that, that rivalry that you can create with relatives that wasn't really done until Owen really came into it. So let's just jump right in, you know, early years, the early years. Well, shoot. He was born in May uh, 7th, 1965 in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So those Canadians out there, you can give yourselves a whoop whoop right now. He was the youngest of 12 kids. That's right. Uh, son of Helen and the famous Stu Hart. They were getting busy having lots of little babies running around. Apparently, how did, did Stu have that much time? Jesus Christ. Apparently. And how could there's you not so many a, stories of him stretching people and doing all that stuff? And he ran his own promotion, Stampede Wrestling and maybe, all that stuff. And like, maybe, God it got damn. Him, maybe it got him excited, bro. He and kept he Helen just fucking, he know. kept her under the ring and he's just like between spots i'm gonna fucking lay some seed like i have no idea jesus christ yeah i mean and by the way you know there there was the uh the dungeon that's the famous dungeon that everybody knows about if you're any kind of wrestling fan you know about the stew hard dungeon and just to give you a quick recap before we get into real professional wrestling uh owen actually met his wife martha during high school of all things so they were high school sweethearts um, just a small note there because it's going to be important to what we talk about to the listeners that you'll need to know who she was later in the podcast to his legacy and why things are the way they are presently. So it is important. Um, you know, she she holds a big value over Owen's life and um, Owen's legacy, quite frankly. So, but is there anything else you guys want to say about uh, Martha or? Uh, the family, the Hart family, before we get started into Owen's professional career in 83. I don't want to say anything about Martha yet. Um, I want to just say, yeah, like, I mean, it was a rich family. Like, Stu was a big deal in Canada, and the dungeon was a huge deal. Like, it was mm-hmm. legendary. And he stretched so many people there. And, like, he really stretched them in the sense of, like, he taught them, like, you have to feel... Before you can do a fake sport, and I'm not saying he said those words. I'm saying this is me saying that. Before you do a fake sport, you have to learn the real holds first and feel the pain and feel the twisting and all that stuff. And then you can fake it, right? 
that's what wrestling is. It, it's fake. And, and I don't, I know people like to say that, but to understand how to professional wrestle, you have to know that it's fake and make it look real. So that's the I, I art prefer, form. I prefer predetermined, but go on. Well, it is fake, but I mean, like it is predetermined as well. I get what you're saying, but I mean, like you have to, they you know, still make feel it, it bro. As well yeah. You have to make it look like you're doing something to somebody. So like, yeah. that's the, that's the acting or the fakeness that you have to portray. You have to make an arm bar look real, but to understand how an arm bar hurts you, Stu was like, I'm going to put you in a real fucking arm bar first. And then you're going to feel all, all the tendons, like, you know, rip and tear and stretch or whatever. Sure. And then when you learn that, you're going to be like, okay, so when I apply it, I got to learn how to show the audience where the bend is, you know, where the, where I'm pulling your arm up or your leg up or whatever, you know? So yeah. that's the, that's the value in that. So people are like, that doesn't make any sense. Cause I've described the dungeon to many casual right. wrestling fans. I'm like, wait a minute, if it's fake, why do you have to really stretch people? I'm like, because like anything else, you have to learn how it really works in order <laughs> and, to show fakely how it really works. You, and you know what? It's, it's and you an know what? Just, just speaking of that, form. that's that's a, that's a reason why people don't get into it now as the casual fan as they did before because all right. of that is left. It's all flippies. It's all flippy duties. Exactly. Let's yeah. do some flips, and then that's there, a good there, there is no more stretching. So. We're going to go into 83. Owen started his wrestling uh, career even when he was still at university. He was under a mask and calling himself, of all things, the British Bulldog, believe it or not, even though he was not British. And then as the Bronco Owen Hart, when he left university, he had a lack of success there. And then when he it didn't really work out for him, he went back to his dad. He went back to Stu and he trained under the Hart Dungeon and Stu's wrestling federation called Stampede Wrestling. As well as international work for Max Crabtree in 86, he teamed up with uh, Ben Basarab. He won the Stampede Tag Titles, all while earning the PWI's Rookie of the Year for 1986. I mean, that's pretty impressive. He's a really young guy at this point. Um, Dave, can I ask promising. you a question? What, what, what do you guys say about that? Yeah, ask can me a ask question. Yeah. Was he was he a good discus thrower? Is my <laughs> question. Oh my to you. god. <laughs> I want to know. I mean, he had the hair. Because Cuz was Austin. really Cuz was really passionate about that at the Austin episode. <laughs> so I want to know, did did Owen do discus or track or stick his dick in a tailpipe or something? Give me something that if you uh, guys can't hear this, this that is Cuz can fucking Hitting tidbit. This yeah. is my forehead hitting the microphone right now. Cuz needs to be stimulated by something <laughs> totally retarded. So give me something that that's fair. Did he during the winter? Did he shit down the chimney? Give me something. I need something from you. No. Okay. Continue. The, the, I apologize. The answer, the answer is no, Jess. Good deal. No. So going. I mean, so you know, but, but you think I was about trying to help Cuz. In 86, those Stampede Tech titles, I mean, that's a big deal, you know, and he his career started out pretty promising, even though he was under his dad's federation. Do you guys have anything to add to that before we move on in 87? No. no. <laughs> Good. <laughs> no, so I don't. Fucking, I'm so fucking glad we're doing this right now, you fucking pricks. God, I, I'm as interested in this as I was in Austin's Texas shit. <sighs> So go okay, on. In, okay, I'm I'm moving forward. In 87, Thank he ventured you. out even more. He actually wrestled for New Japan Pro Wrestling oh. for several tours. Wrestling uh, uh, Keiichi Yamada. People who like was, New Japan right now. That's crazy. Oh, Dave. that's amazing. Yeah, all of a sudden you're something you actually fucking care about. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> by the way, who was Keiichi Yamada? Do you know who the fuck that was, Jess? Uh, it was uh, Iron no. Be Mike real. Sharp. Be real about it. 
It was Who Iron was Mike it? Sharp in WWF. No, it wasn't. Move on. Who was it? Last That's chance. <laughs> Kiachi Yamada was Jushin Thunder Liger. Oh, which is pretty okay. cool, by the way. Okay. All right. He's, re- he's retiring this year, isn't he? This is he's on an actual retirement tour right now. It's very yes. interesting. You talk about the Jess. It's good timing. Uh. It's amazing how that works out. Oh, that's incredible. <laughs> so, Jushin Liger, that's pretty cool stuff. He actually wrestled Jushin Liger before he was Jushin Liger. I think that's a really cool thing. I don't know if you guys give a shit. That but is I think cool. It's cool. I, that is cool. It is. It, 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 I'm being dead serious. It is fucking interesting. It is. It shows how. It, truth be told, it shows how far Owen does go back. Because a lot of people he don't really like back, think yeah. of Owen until the, he gets to. To be honest, I know you're going to get to the uh, Blue Blazer shit, but I mean, like it. People didn't know he was a Blue Blazer when he was a Blue Blazer. So it's it's really honestly, I swear to you, it's interesting that he wrestled in Japan. A lot of people don't know about that. Owen was super world trained. Like before he even got to be the blue blazer. And that's really important. Not just from the the education he got from his dad, but he went to new Japan. And honestly, that was a big deal. Like you really learned different ways of wrestling and different ways of selling and doing offense and everything in new Japan. That legitly is, is a, I know I'm joking around with Dave, but that's legitly a big deal. Owen had a lot of education before he even became the blue blazer, which you didn't even know he was a blue blazer because he was under a mask originally. And right. he was so educated already. So I'm being serious. No, no, uh, you, you said it really well. So we're talking about. Because seriously, play the clip of the, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Up. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> and, you know, and if you want to play a clip, play the clip, any clip you want. No, to, I'm uh, kidding. There is no clip. No, that no. Was my joke. Shut the fuck up. I'm saying, like, play oh, the clip whoa. of Liger on his farewell tool. Find something. He, he's, he's on no, it right don't now. Do it. It's pretty impressive. Don't do anything. No, you know, hey, hey, hey by the way, do yourself, do yourself, do, do yourself a check. How old is Jushin Thunder Liger right now? Check it out. Let me know. Years, 84 years old. Yeah. Okay. That's good. All right. 84. So 88 to 89, we've got the WWF first signage. Owen actually gets signed by the machine <laughs> at the time. And instead it's coming in as you guys, you guys, are you guys done being oh, fucking douchebags? Sorry. Wait. <laughs> so Owen came in where now? He came into the WWF, and oh. instead of coming in as Bret Hart's brother, they put him oh. in a mask, and as Jess already said, because he likes to blow his wad, just like us, oh, as the Blue Blazer gimmick. But wasn't he something before the Blue Blazer? Mm, you tell me, dickhead. No, I'm being serious. I swear to God. Like, I, there's not, some on not, the network. Not from the, not from the research I've seen. What, do you, what did you see? No, I don't remember the name. Um, oh, you don't remember, um, but you want to fucking bring it up. That's no, I'm not good. trying to dick you with this one. I was dicking you with the other shit, but this one, <laughs> I'm being serious. Like he was, he was like, uh, God, it was like him and Barry Horowitz were going around the horn, and they were he, they were like opening the house show cards. And I swear to, I, fuck, it might have been the Blue Blazer from the start, but I swear to you, like it was like the Blue Angel, the Blue Angel. or something like that. They, it, it was, was it was all, it was all under that. It yeah, was it was something that mask gimmick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they had a mask on him, and they were changing the mask or whatever. And it was like a blue angel, and then they changed it to blue blazer. So I mean, I'm I'm, I'm honestly being serious. Like I true. think they they were just he they debuted him on like on house shows. Well, that's right? that, that, were, that's kind of the problem. Yeah, he was he was, had that superhero persona with the mask on it because quite frankly, at this time, this was the most. Um, 
impactful high flying wrestling you would ever see. This was this was the stuff that the Blue Blazer or the Blue Angel gimmick was doing was just out of this world. The stuff that he would do, he would do moonsaults just when he came into the ring. Yeah, you know, and that was I huge. Like, oh then. my god, he would that. do that amazing. spot like you know now and you it, see it like where somebody yeah. would go for hip toss, he'd reverse it, but he would put their <clears> his leg over the, the back of their neck and then flip backwards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, can you envision that? And like I'd never seen that as a kid. So when I saw him on house shows, I was like, dude, this guy is like doing crazy flips and shit. Like he did amazing stuff. Yeah, and and that stuff was. This is where I'm trying to say. Like, I know it sounds really weird, but Owen Hart it probably paved the way for more high flyers to come in down the line. You know, it's, yes, it was, it was and you didn't incredible. even know it was him because they originally yeah. they wanted to bring Owen in and they didn't want to make him connected with Brett. And so, yeah, which is really Brett weird wanted, in hindsight. Yeah. It's so weird that they wanted. So, to do so that. Vince just wanted to put him under a mask and see if physically he could do what he wanted. And and, and he and was in I, a mask before, quite frankly. You know, yes, when he was starting yeah. Out, so yeah, so so I mean, it was like they didn't want to bring him in as like a heart guy, so they brought him in as the Blue Angel slash Blue Blazer, and they were mm. figuring that out. But he would open these house show cards and he would do crazy shit. And yeah. like uh, I would see a lot of that stuff on my big massive satellite dish. If you go back in our archives, yeah. you understand where I had that. And like, yeah, it was really cool to see, you know, especially like in '89 and shit like that. Like he was yeah. just doing crazy stuff. And I know Dave's gonna progress forward, but you know. Well, by the way, uh, Jess, he I mean he would get over at that in that, but he just wouldn't get past that mid card status, right? right? So he they didn't he want passed. him to be. They didn't want him to be. Yeah. So, yeah. but while he was doing the Blue Blazer stuff, first of all, he had his first WrestleMania match as the Blue Blazer. At WrestleMania five against Kurt Henning. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty good match. It was like the best match on the card back then. WrestleManias were like kind of a one match card. So the main event of WrestleMania five was see every time I fucking do an episode with you guys, I have to reference Hulk because when we reference like this date, Tim and Savage were the main event of well, mania five. So, yeah. but the whole back back here, the whole thing of mania is it was kind of a one match card. They would use the main event to advertise that card. So Hulk and mm-hmm. Savage were the draw of that card on that card was the blue blazer versus Mr. Perfect, who had just kind of figured out his name of Mr. Perfect and was figuring everything out. I believe it was the first time he ever wore the singlet. God, the amount of talent in that match is insane. Oh my God. Insane. And I'm not saying it was like a match of the year candidate, but it kind of stole the show because uh, Owen and, and Henning were doing crazy shit in there. So go back and watch WrestleMania five, the blue blazer versus Kurt Henning. And like, it's a really good match. Like it's just, it's shit. You at that, you see it all the time now, but at that time you never saw was, the stuff that not, they were doing. There was nothing yeah. like that at the time. The counters and the moves, like you never saw that stuff or whatever. <laughs> so he yeah. made an imprint in the sense. And, and, Nowadays, a lot of people get, you know, you see Internet reports or the Dirt Sheets report like, oh, they only got five minutes. So the match was just so so. OK, let me tell you something right now. Nah, um, here you go. We're going to get later in Owen's career right now. There's two five minute matches that Owen Hart delivered in his career that I tell anybody who fucking bitches about only oh. having five or six minutes on a pay-per-view or whatever yeah. to go watch. The first one is Saturday Night's Main Event from 1989. Ted, it was before Mania 5. Ted DiBiase versus the Blue Blazer. Yeah. Granted, I will give you that they cut it because Saturday Night Main Events, they cut the matches to how they wanted to fit because it was a pre taped show. That match is five minutes and go back and watch that match. It's fucking brilliant. They knew how much time they had. They, they might have been six or seven minutes total, but they cut it down a little bit. But overall, they knew they only had a window between five to seven or so minutes. And they fucking delivered. 
There's another yeah. match that's going to come up later as Dave progresses with the storyline. I'm not going to ruin it now. It's so for good. any young guy that's like, oh, I'm going to do it five minutes, five minutes. What am I supposed to do with that? Um, g- fucking go to the network and go to Saturday Night's Main Event, the Saturday Night's Main Event before Mania 5, and watch DiBiase and the Blazer. And later in this episode, when Dave gets to it, I'll tell you the second Owen Hart match that you can fucking go to. So Owen Hart is the fucking prototype for five-minute matches because he's that good. So guess what, talent who's stressing and bitching about five minutes is not a lot. It's fucking plenty of time. Learn your craft. Learn how to wrestle and go back and watch this I mean, and I you'll mean, see. We're, we're trying to put we're trying to put clips in 30 seconds or less yeah. to try to get people to listen to what we're talking about. So five minutes is an incredible amount of time to get what you want to lay down. I mean, Fuck and, yeah. and, and Owen has proved that, you know. So, you know, he because of that, he never got past the mid-card status, and he left, quite frankly, which is kind of crazy. So from 89 to 91, Owen was kind of a journeyman, to say the least. He was wrestling for Stampede. He wrestled Didn't he have, Mexico. like, a tryout in WCW, I think, too? Yeah, no, absolutely. In 91? Yeah, yeah, he had, he was Mexico, where, where the actual Blazer was on mask, and then he had less of a year stint at WCW, but they couldn't work out a contract for him in WCW um, at that realm in 91. So, and by the way, Owen also did not uh, want to move his family to Atlanta. They were all based in uh, Canada. So that basically brings a return to WWF. Do you guys have anything notable to say about the three-year stint of the journeyman Owen for Stampede Mexico and WC. No, I think it's, it, I think it's a lot of what a lot of wrestlers are missing nowadays, you know, like there's no territories now. Yeah. So he came, he went from Canada. He went to WWF at under a mask. Then he went to WCW yep. and he was just trying to learn his feet. It's education that he needed. It, he yeah. really did. Yeah. And I think, I think quite frankly, he wouldn't be the wrestler he was without all. Of Cause this. Brett was like, Brett was pretty much planted in like 85 in WWF and Brett was just fucking hard foundation off to the races, you know, after that. Yeah. I mean, he did, he did stamp here with his, with stamp with his dad for quite a long time. And then it was yeah. basically pushed right into WWF with, uh, with, uh, the anvil. So well, and they had an agreement. Vince would go to Stu for talent a lot. Sure, sure, sure. But Owen was kind of like that handoff. Hell, we'll try to use them. We'll see what we do. But Brett's our guy, you know, and that, that was proven, but I think, I think a lot was lost on Owen and because of that, Owen became a better overall wrestler because of all the different ideals and techniques of all of the federations he actually uh, lived upon. Even if they were a short amount of time, I think Owen was kind of a sponge, you know, for all that type of, um, you know, all that, all that type of different styles. There's there's throw styles. There's there there's uh, styles where you want to get a little more snug, and then there's the Hey, you got to cut that right promo. And I know Owen's always had a problem with that. I know people have a problem with Owen and his promo work, but he wasn't bad, you know, and he learned as he went. And I think Owen really absorbed as much as he possibly could um, because he didn't have the the patent backing of the machine. He they're like they wanted Brett and Brett was quite frankly, the he was the package that that WWF was looking for. And Owen was just kind of like, oh, well, he's he's yeah, he's OK. And I, I think they missed out on that. And I think in the long run, because they did, 
Owen became better because he saw my friend he saw more opportunity and more advantages with different styles than than Brett did. So it they, they're completely different in a, so many ways, and I think it's because of Owen's journey that that's why it's different. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not, but I agree. Yeah. So we're getting into the 1991 1991 year. It's uh, the WWF return. We're talking about new the new foundation and high energy. It was a good time for Owen to return as his brother was getting into the singles division more heavily. Uh, Brett's on moving on, so that kind of leaves Jim, the Anvil Nightheart, who's kind of a bruiser in there. Probably not the best talent, not a worker, more of a fighter. So that means that Jim needs someone to work with. And he was in need of a tag partner, and that forms what we call the new foundation. And they feuded with the Beverly Brothers. Uh, they beat the Orient Express at Royal Rumble 92. And when Nightheart left at this point, because, gosh, Jim had a ton of problems. That's a whole other story we can get into later on. Owen got a singles match at WrestleMania 7 against Skinner. Um, eight. Yeah, go ahead. Eight. Oh, is it eight? I'm sorry. My yeah. bad. That's the notes I have say seven. So, and then we have high energy coming in after that point. This is formed with Owen. And who is it, Jess? Coco Beware. Another high flyer. Such a high flyer that he had a parent where he went. And, you know, high energy did get on one pay-per-view at Survivor Series. With that loss against the head shrinkers, you know head shrinkers. You know there's there's some storyline behind that too. We'll get into that eventually. The start of '93 had high energy disappear. Basically, that didn't last too long. So Owen can once again start a single his singles uh, career. And uh, as a side note, '93 Owen uh, was being used in the USWA and actually won their world title there as a heel. Um, there was a because lot Lawler, of, because yeah. Lawler was uh, came aboard ninety three WWF exactly, um, and a lot he, of WWF talent was loaned yeah. out there. You know, he was like it, the big guy in USWA, and he was like one of the owners and promoters of USWA. But this, so but this they, is the they key traded thing talent. About it. Yeah. yeah, they traded talent, but whenever that WWF talent went to to them, they were all heels because yeah. who was who was the face? Yes, USWA Jerry Lawler. Yeah, so but when Lawler came to the WWF, he was the heel. It's, it, it's kind of fun to think about that because you have to play to your fan base. And even though Vince was taking this, you know, national and even worldwide, you have to consider where you are to know who was going to be cheered. And and I think they did this quite well. You know, I, I Jerry Jerry Lawler knows what town he's in and knows what character he has to play and i don't think people give lawler enough credit for that um i know we're jumping a little off track there but i think it's very interesting how if owen went to his territory owen would be the heel and he would totally understand that and he would be able to totally adapt um that that's something that doesn't happen anymore because they don't they don't have to um because there's so much syndication so much tv so much social media that you don't really have to worry about it but Back in these days, it was it was still very territorial, in spite of what Vince was trying to do with the machine. So I think it's incredible that the, honestly, I think their job was harder. They had to know where they were to know what they were going to do. I don't know if anybody agrees or disagrees with that. Well, I mean, like USW was in the pocket of WWE or WWF at the time, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's why. I mean, territories were dead, but Vince knew the value of keeping like a a feeder promotion. 
sure. like to feed him talent or whatever. And he would put, you know, promo, uh, wrestlers that weren't really hitting in WWF, he would put down there to kind of kind of group them more. So to go back to the, uh, yeah, you know, basically, yeah, the new foundation was supposed to be a mid-card tag team, and there was no plan to put the titles on them. And uh, when Jim got fired, you know, Coco came in and Vince just wanted to stretch that out because he wanted sure. the foundation to be like at least a year, year and a half long for house shows and all that stuff. And and Owen was doing well. Again, all part of the learning curve of, of uh, Owen Hart. It was really important to happen. Hey, you know what, fat boys? That's right, you nasty boys. You know why they call us high energy? It's because we're moving, we're grooving, and we're always going to the top. The Birdman and the Rocket. You want a piece of high energy? Come and find it. Tell him about a bird. That's what the world. So yeah, I mean that's why that's why you know like they, Vince was doing. I think Vince really knew that. Obviously, he knew that it was Brett's brother, but Vince was trying to really figure out. Okay, where can Owen fit? What can we do? Sure. And Owen actually, like I said, he won that USWA title uh, as a heel. Uh, and he suffered a knee injury. He had to actually step away until the fall of 93. But once he comes back, that takes us into our brother feud. I always laugh because we, we've listened to so many podcasts of like Vince talking about why do brothers fight. I'm like, well, you got to talk in order to fight. You don't talk to your brother. So go fuck yourself. You know, um, but anyway, it's like they're so estranged. Like, how could you even know how brothers work? But. Uh, in this in this whole and you can talk you can go back to several podcasts guys and find out the pitch on how this came down and why Brett chose Owen to be a part of this but um, basically Brett Owen Bruce and Keith they all appear to Survivor Series are scheduled to face Jerry Lawler and his team uh, <laughs> and Lawler couldn't make it if you want to find out why you can check out our archives but it's a big it's a big to do. Why Lawler couldn't be there. So Brendan He Owen likes did. young girls. He uh, likes young girls. Sorry, go ahead. I, what I'm are you doing here today? I'm so I'm ashamed. I'm so sorry. Allegedly. So He was Brendan acquitted. Owen, yeah, sure. Why not? Brendan he and Owen was. actually crash into each other and Owen's actually eliminated in this match. Dave. What? He he was acquitted. He did not touch young women. I know I'm saying it's allegedly, bro. Even though it's been several accusations, he didn't I, do it. You don't have a conviction. I'm just mm, saying. He, All right. Even but though Owen Bill Cosby a, went to jail mm, nowadays, he did not do it. Yeah, I know a lot of people get away with this shit. Even now. though there's a bunch of different so, stories of him doing yeah. it, he did not do it. Look at that. Am in I your talking lower than I should be? It's weird. I don't know why. No, I, I, don't, I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I can't. I'm tell. not trying to insinuate that he probably did it, but like. What are you he doing? Just pay today? people off. I'm not saying so, that. So, I'm just and, saying I'm and, not saying that is my and, point. And threats were made. I know. And charges. Were I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that he liked young women, and sometimes they were underage. And then when he would get caught, he would pay the money. I am not saying that. Mm, what I'm saying go. is, is that you should just kind of go on forward with what you're saying. That's what we're doing. I'm not so, saying that he did that. Brett and Owen crash into each other. And Jerry Owen's Lawler is what we're talking about. We're talking about Jerry Survivor Lawler. Series match. We're just going to talk over <laughs> until you shut the fuck up. And starts a heated discussion after the match with Who? the actual parents trying to calm them down. And the next night, Owen begins to duplicate Brett's look. He challenges him to a match. But they seem to make up by the holidays. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, that's fucking great. Oh, we all got to make up for the fucking Christmas. Family that's really great. Come on. Yeah. 
even That's to so the nice. point where Brett would tell. Well, I'm just glad that they can make up because then Jerry Lawler on his side of it, like he could be acquitted of all those accusations and enjoy Christmas that year. They, they, Dave, I'm just trying to fucking like guide this podcast. Like, I don't know why you're okay. getting so mad at me right now. I don't know why you're so upset. Jerry Lawler did not touch young women. Jesus. Um, well, by, by, by the court. Stop bringing it up, bro. God. Sorry, bro. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Amazing. So, Brett. No one pays women to holidays, be quiet. Brett would actually end up tagging with Owen, trying to keep the peace, and even got a shot at the tag titles against the Quebecers. And that storyline mm. takes us to Brett hurting his knee. Oh, at knee. What, what event? Oh, Royal you Rumble. tell me, sir. Royal Rumble 1994. Actually, Royal Rumble just... I actually remember being at your house for that one because I remember that was. I don't remember. Cuz was at my house so many times. Cuz oh, a goddamn scare about that. No, he's a goddamn all, all memory of uh, that. Those six listeners. That's scared. another. Uh, Dave, <laughs> we're trying to communicate about how he's my real cousin and how we connected when we were young. I think. I Thank think you you've... very much for not standing in the way of that. I think you um, totally stated that over several episodes. Huh? But thank you. Yeah, that's great. No, but what uh, I wanted hey, to say about Owen, though. No, cu- cousin, cousin Jess are actual But I'm, what is Jerry Lawler? Is he back in the promotion here, Jerry Lawler? Not yet. No. Okay. Okay. Why? Yeah. I, uh, okay, never mind. It's, it's <laughs> what I wanted to say about Owen, <laughs> though, that was why. another right. one of those moments where I was like, God, I fucking hate you. Because of what he did. So, so we're anyway, at Royal Rumble not, not, to, Dave. not to lose on this. Well, it's the not, Royal uh, number four. So they made up, right? They made, they made up for a And then they, they said, you know what? We are, a, titles, we are a brotherhood, right? and we're going to challenge the Quebecers, which are very funny, by the way. Yeah. Uh, oh, they're the great. They're fucking awesome. Yeah. I knew this was tearing up the family, and I knew that Owen and I had to sit down, and we had to resolve this thing, and that's exactly what we've done. And we are going to win the World Wrestling Federation Tag Team titles as a unit. The rocket is going to be taken off, and I'm going to have my brother Brett there right behind me. And the Quebecers, we're coming after you. We're gunning for those World Tag Team Championships for the rocket. And at at Royal Rumble 94, Dave, I'm going to fucking take over right now. You take and it, I feel bro. great because one of the greatest promos ever <laughs> happened. No, so no. they were building they were oh, building up no. the whole time. You kind of saw it coming that Owen was going to turn against Brett, and that was their deal. So, <laughs> so <laughs> at the uh, Brett had a hurt knee coming into the match or whatever, and then the uh, Quebecers exposed it. And I don't they didn't lose, but they didn't win the tag titles. I do not remember how the Quebecers won. It was like DQ or some bullshit. The match the match had to be stopped because of Brett's knee. That's what I said. I said the match had to be stopped because of Brett's knee and Jerry Lawler did not date okay, young sure women. So uh, going with that notion, um, what <laughs> happened after the match was Owen was pissed because Owen's like, you know, because of you and your bullshit he lo- knee. He, he lost his mind, bro. Huh? He lost his mind for sure. Who? Jerry Lawler? Yeah, he was fucked up. He was really bad. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and he likes young women. So uh, anyway, so oh he my. just gets acquitted. Dave, stop goading me if you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so back to Jerry Lawler. When he first got into wrestling, oh, we're not talking about Jerry Lawler, we're Owen. Okay, sorry. So in 1994 Royal Rumble, so the whole thing was like, so then Owen got pissed because the Quebecers won due to ref stoppage, and uh, and Brett had a hurt knee. So Owen got pissed, and he was just like yelling at Brett after the match, going like, "You cost me the tag titles. This is supposed to be our big deal." And he kicked Brett's, Brett's leg, and Brett fell. So that turned Owen heel instantly. What did I tell you? That's right, Owen. That's right. You're right. He should have tagged you, but I don't think Brett deserves this. Owen Hart appears to be giving his brother a tongue lashing. The Owen is obviously right in being mad at his brother. One more time. 
One more time, Brett refused. Well, it's, it's obvious to me that Owen Hart is finally... Oh! <laughs> I think you've just seen a major... T- and so Owen leaves sure. the ring, and now we know that Owen turned versus Brett. But the promo that Owen cuts, Owen gets to the back, and on the big screen out in the arena, they put Owen's interview up. So Brett's fucking down in the ring. The refs are tending to Brett and Owen's cutting this promo and it's a live promo. It's not scripted like it is nowadays. And so the nerves must have got to Owen. So he's cutting a promo. Brett, you know, you've always held me back in life. Brett this, Brett that. And that's why I did this. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. (laughs) And like it was total bad. You're too damn selfish, and that's why you're sitting there with a bad leg, and that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. So that is super famous because that this is Owen's like turning heel, and and Vince is putting <laughs> stock in Owen and making him a top heel, and he fucking like <laughs> swallows his own tongue. Vince like, like, what the hell is that? It's great. It's great, but let me tell you, let me tell you. So they keep pushing Owen, but at the same time, that's how good Owen is in the ring. Owen's amazing. It's when you watch Owen in the ring, it's like poetry. It's like water, right? And you can so overlook like, yeah, it. So you really can. There's only one guy that can get away with this, and it's Owen Hart. Like, And if you yeah. come back, like the big fucking moment that he turns heel, he has to cut this vicious promo. And Brett, you've been holding me back my whole life. And Brett, this is why I did this. And Brett, that's why tonight we came in here in your bum knee. And Brett, you that's know, why I kicked your you leg know, out you of know, your Jess, leg. I, I like, think I think if this happened in today's era, there would be signs saying kicking the leg out of your leg the next night on Raw. I'm just oh, yeah. saying it would have oh, yeah. been great. They would have loved it. And yeah. they would have been able to expand on it. It would have been fucking hilarious. So it's so fucking funny that like, and this follows Owen for a while because there's a lot of shit like this that like he just like fucking flubs, but it's part of his big career turn. It's part of sure. what pushed him. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's, it's hilarious. So, um, and this, this basically started Owens Hill run, setting up the match at WrestleMania 10 against Brett. By the Woo! way, this is, this is covered in our underrated yes. WrestleMania moments. Can I, please you know, check it uh, out? Okay. Let me calm down for oh, a second. Okay. Dave, I got to stop you. I got to shut you the fuck up right here. Whoa. Um, you know, in any other fucking time period, this match with Brett at oh, WrestleMania yeah. 10 would have stolen the show. Yes. These guys wrestled such a great match, WrestleMania 10. The only thing that it it shows you how great that Michaels and Ramon were in the ladder match. Because this match with Brett and Owen was so good. It was so fucking on a different level than most people. Especially for what the WWF audience had seen. And and what Vince pushed. And it shows you how how the fuck do you have a pay-per-view that has two of the greatest matches ever ever in WrestleMania history on it. And they had it at Mania 10. And so yeah. any, when anybody ranks Mania 10 in their top 10 or top 15, and people are like, I don't get it. I'm like, really? You don't um, fucking get it? Uh, Brett versus yeah. Owen and Ramon versus Michaels in the latter match. Those two matches alone, one of those would have carried an individual pay-per-view to great status. But and it was they were on the same... Brett winning the title. That's yeah, a big they deal. were on this I, fucking same pay-per-view. And like the op- they opened WrestleMania 10 with Owen versus Brett. And if you have not, and you've just read, you only you know in your heart of hearts if you've seen this match. You might have read it. A lot of people, a lot of dumb fans now, Dave, Dave's and Cuz, they fucking say they've seen shit and they haven't. 
Oh, I've totally seen that. No, you've probably read a lot of articles on that match, but have you really gone back and watched? I've really watched it. Have you really yeah. watched Brett versus Owen for Mania 10? I would say the majority of people, you have not. So, of the 100 people or whatever that are listening to this podcast, go and fucking watch that match. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. That match is fantastic. In any other card of that year, it would have been match of the year, match of the card, whatever. But because Ramon and Michaels was so great with the ladder match, that's the only reason why it was eclipsed. Like, can you can you imagine that? Like, that's how good Brett and Owen was so good. And it opened up the pay-per-view. They're so and, good. And, and, uh, and, and Owen it won. Might be classified as Owen the, won. As their greatest. Jess, it might be classified as their greatest uh, WrestleMania curtain jerker of all time. Like I would say the only match. match that's ever rivaled it would be Triple H and Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. Right. But I don't even sure. know. I don't even yeah. know if it was better. It was it was the only match that I could think of that could rival it. And, and by storyline, Jess, it, it has no comparison because Many people know if you don't know, you know, there was there's basically two matches uh, going through. So no matter what, Brett had to wrestle two matches. He had to wrestle the winner of the um, oh gosh, Les Luger. They had like a mini they had a mini tournament like him and Luger both tied when they went over the rope at WrestleMania that year. Exactly. The winner of the uh, Royal Rumble. Sorry, Royal Rumble. The winner of the Royal Rumble got a shot at the world champion at Mania. So Luger and Brett went over and tied. So they flipped a coin to set up for WrestleMania and they did like a mini round robin tournament. So Luger won the coin toss. So he got to face Yokozuna in the middle of the pay-per-view, but to make it yep. fair. So Brett had another match. They put Brett versus Owen uh, on top exactly. of it. So, and it was yep. perfectly booked because Brett could lose, but it did not affect his, his match against Yokozuna later. So the winner of Yokozuna yeah, or, or and whoever, Luger, whoever the whoever the winner yeah, of that mid card yes. whoever whoever Mania won is. between Luger and Yokozuna at Mania Ten would face Brett in the main event. And obviously so, Yokozuna beat Luger. In yeah, the mid- Yokozuna beat match. Luger, and they did some dumb shit. I didn't want to get into it because it was stupid and it was retarded. Yeah, what, and and so but at the end of the match, Brett beats Yoko and wins the title the way he should have won it a year before. Again, different topic Agreed. for a different pay per view. Um. Then Owen comes out because Owen won the match at the beginning of the night and stares Brett down. And you knew right there. And WWF brilliantly set up their summer tour. All the house shows yep. were going to be centered around Brett and Owen. And it made perfect sense. Owen beats Brett clean in the beginning match. And then Brett wins the title later. Owen could say, I beat you, brother, clean. So I should be world champion. Such, it was, it was perfect. Oh, God, TV, God. Though. And this leads right into their yeah. SummerSlam match of 90. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, we have a, we actually have a still cage SummerSlam. match at SummerSlam for the title. Um, they couldn't believe that this was during an, an era of no blood. And these two guys devised this it's match. Again, star, if you it, haven't it's a fucking seen match, this, by the way. Just yeah, so if know. you haven't seen this match, go back and watch it because they were told no blood. No violence. How the fuck do you fucking wrestle a match in a cage match? But these guys figured it out. They did this cool leapfrog spot where they would leapfrogged over each other trying to get to the cage door and beating each other. I'm not even doing it justice by, by talking about it right now. Go back and watch SummerSlam 94, Brett versus Owen steel cage match for the WWF title. And it's so innovative and crazy. Again, it shows how fucking good Brett and Owen were and how in touch they were. You, We can't bleed. We can't do violence. And we're in a cage the fuck are you doing? Okay, you know what? Whatever. We'll fucking figure it out. And they did it. Come 
And to your point, Jess, then we go on to a Lumberjack match where Owen actually wins, but guess what? It's a dusty finish. The match is forced to continue, and then Brett wins that match. Um, I don't know if you want to discuss that briefly, but we get into Survivor Series after that. Um, Tell me if you want to discuss that dusty finish or not. No. (laughs) Good. So Survivor Series was where Owen actually crossed Brett again. Uh, forcing Helen and their mom to throw in the towel for Brett while he was facing Bob Backlund. And Bob Backlund would beat him for causes, the title. Yeah, that causes Brett to lose the title. Um, and then he also keeps Brett from beating Diesel in Royal Rumble of 95. There's a ton of feud stuff going on here. And then finally, Brett soundly beats Owen weeks later, and that ends the feud with that said match. Anything you want to add to the Owen Brett feud before we move. No, it was so good. And and honestly, like go back and watch the whole thing. If you have a few hours, you know, one night when you're off work or you're whatever, like go back and watch the whole Brett versus Owen feud. They were so good. You know, there's so many feuds on this podcast that we talk about that were supposed to be, but when they actually got together, it was like oil and water. And how's how, how those chips cause or was like cousin chips. Cause that's all (laughs) I could hear. Um, so there's so many feuds where it's like oil and water. You know, Hogan and Flair were supposed to tear the... Everyone dreamed about that match, but when they they fought, it was like oil and water. Owen and Brett were like yeah. fucking like just... It was poetry. It was like flowing water. Flowing, it was bro. like... Yeah. They were so good. And it showed that Owen understood. More importantly, because we're talking about Owen, it showed that he understood how to wrestle. And he, and he was really talented. Brett was talented in a different way than Owen was. Amazing that they both came from the same family. And like Owen understood how to do it, but different than Brett. Owen was more of a high flyer. He was more of a risk taker where I'm not. Brett was just so technically sound and so good at what he did that you were just like, God damn, Brett's a ring general. Like he's so good. So then it's yeah. amazing. The two opposites came from the same family. And then when they met, it was not oil and water. It was just fucking it gelled. It was art. It was art. It was fucking yeah. fantastic. I love them. So I love them together. I love everything they did, and it sucked when they were over. But they, I, I think it, I think it's they reunite later, and I know you're going to get to that. But like it was, it was, it was. We'll great. talk about it. It was great. Sure. Well, before we do, we'll jump into '96, '97. That's when he teams with the uh, British Bulldog, right? Bulldog and Owen they team with uh, Cornette's Camp. It's a stable ran by obviously Jim Cornette. Owen started tagging with Bulldog more and more, and eventually they actually beat the WWF champions. The Smoking Guns. Hey, who were those guys? Um, I seem to believe a Mr. Ass, right? And uh, somebody who was a big part of the... Oh, gosh. What was the uh, what was the challenge, Jess? The, the boxing that... Oh, Brawl for All? The Brawl for yeah. All bullshit. Like, the Smoking Guns were a big part of this, uh, this time frame, for good or bad. And, you know, they took them down at In Your House um, in 1996. In Your House 10. But tensions over storylines start to flare over the European title, which I believe Davy Boy uh, was holding. 
and over some other miscommunications. Jess, do you want to discuss that real quick? Yeah, it was just, you know, they were just trying to make stuff work here. Here, you get in that murky water where WCW was starting to put the pressure on, and WWF was really trying to, like, figure out, you know, who they had, who would fit in their new direction and all that stuff. And so, yeah, they just, you know, they put family versus family and all that stuff, and Owen wants some tag titles with Bulldog, and then they kind of feud over the European title and all that stuff. It was a mishmash. It wasn't terrible, but, like, you know... WrestleMania 13 in 97, like they defended the tag titles against Vader and, and uh, Mankind in a kind of a average match at, at best. And, you know, it was just kind of like they were trying to really fit them. You know, they're trying to, to do they were trying to keep the heart storyline going, even though Brett wasn't involved at the time. It was just, you know, uh, the, the brother in law and, and Owen and all that stuff. They were just trying to really keep it churning out. Sure. Yeah. That's that's pretty much it, you know, and it's kind of interesting because the tension started to flare over that European title. We talk about that um, and they they lose the tag titles to was it is it Furess and Lafron and the Survivor Series Doug, match? Doug Furness and uh, uh, what what the fuck is what what is going on here, man? Can someone explain this to me? No, like, it's just a tag team. They brought in WWF Doug Furness and Philip Lafron were. They they did shit in ECW and all that stuff, and they were I want to say they did shit in Japan Japan too. They were really good wrestlers, but they had no charisma. So Vince, no was, push, yeah, right? Vince yeah. was trying to push them, and it just, it didn't work out. That's really all that needs yeah. to be said about that. So we're winning down through the title on them, and then obviously did not work out. But you know because they didn't work out, uh, they would actually get those titles back from the Handbangers and on a Monday Night Raw in '97. And then they lost them to Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold Steve Austin on May 26 of 97. Um, Owen would demand a title shot from the Bulldog for the U.R. title, and he would feud with Stone Cold after. So anything you want to say about that before we go on to the uh, 97 IC title, the reformation with the Hart Foundation, and we're getting to the meaty greedy. Nope, it was up. just that you know they were trying to figure out a position for Owen. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really it's so weird they couldn't find something for him, but they're they're really trying at least. It's not like Vince is like, I got nothing for you. It's like, hey, let's try this, right? So they're definitely working. Owen's getting a lot of time, so it is important. Um, and then April twenty uh, eighth of ninety seven, Owen quickly wins the IC title. And at this moment, believe it or not, every belt in the WWF is held by the Hart stable. So if you're a Hart fan of the family. It's a pretty cool time for you, right? That whole heart, you know, let's go, let's go back to that, that moment where Brett was turning heel and he still hadn't reformed the heart foundation yet. And then they had that famous promo where he went in there and confronted Bulldog and Owen and he ended up hugging Owen. I can't believe what we're seeing here tonight. Look at that look of despair. clip like not only solidified Brett's heel run but it was so awesome the way they did it because he it's like the way he did it was he 
kind of like corrupted Owen the way Owen was corrupted originally when he turned heel, if that makes any sense. When they did the hug, Brett's face was amazing. And it was just kind of like, I just tricked my brother and Owen or my brother and Bulldog to coming back yep. to the dark side. And Brett's face yep. was just sort of like, yeah, that's my that's my big goal. Like and like I I know and I know we're not get too crazy about Brett yeah because we're it was about fucking uh, this, this, this was the great this uh, was the greatest time for Brett's career. God this this I mean, promo was so awesome reuniting with Owen and doing that hug and all that stuff was like so good and like then the heart the true we only knew the heart foundation as Brett and Jim from before yes. now it's like the yeah. heart foundation like a fucking family and this like a was faction. a God this was so good Brett ninety seven. And Owen and the Hard Foundation '97, so fucking good, so good. Yep, yeah. And and Owen is tr- truly deserving of the IC title at this time. I mean, he's he's more than earned it. I mean, he's he he has that that great nostalgia where he can get those boos, get those cheers, whatever you want him to do. He could turn on a dime. You know, not everybody can do that. And that actually uh, brings us to SummerSlam of '97. I know that Cuz can't wait for this. Um, keep it in your pants, buddy. So. The infamous kiss my ass match with Stone Cold Steve Austin. But it, that's really not, it wasn't famous for Thank the kiss God. my ass match. Um, this was discussed in our Austin bio. Um, can we get a snapshot of what actually happened? I know we talked about it. Um, you know, cuz take it away or, or just whoever wants to run with it. Talk about what happened. I know we, we seem to talk about this over and over and whose fault it was, but just briefly discuss. I mean, we should focus more on Owen. Obviously, we don't want to sidetrack on other wrestlers like we said earlier. Uh, but this is obviously the match where uh, Austin gets dropped on his head, on his, uh, yeah. st- you know, stack of dimes of a neck. Yeah. And, and, it, it and can I say, you Steve know, Austin. I know there's been a lot of things said about it and Austin's written about it in his book and all that stuff. And he, he loved Owen so much. First of all, like, I, we'll talk about it at the end, but like, oh, everybody loved Owen in the back. He would do ribs like harmless ribs on people because traveling on the road day in and day out, you get fucking crazy. You know, you get fucking cabin fever. You're just traveling and hotel stay traveling, wrestling, hotel stay traveling, you know, wrestling, hotel stay. And Owen was like just great stories about Owen that you hear at Brett's Hall of Fame speech and all that stuff about how funny he was and he would rib people and all that stuff like he would, um, you know, go and check into a hotel room and uh, and be like, yeah, we want this and that and this and we want all this kind of service or whatever. And they're like, oh, who do I put it under? Uh, put it under Jim Powers, you know, like and shit like that, like <laughs> just good shit, you know, and like uh, he was so good. It's so funny. And he there's not one wrestler that you could ever research and find a bad thing about Owen. And unfortunately, you know, like the. Uh, kicked your leg out of your leg and all that stuff like Owen kind of had a clumsy funny you know thing about him that always followed him I didn't cover it at the end of Wrestlemania 10 when he beat Brett he goes in the back and they do an interview and they put it on the big screen and uh, he has a fucking like like snot booger on the side of his mouth in <laughs> oh, Wrestlemania 10 God. and that's just like this just it's so Owen right it's so Owen and and it you know that's all harmless and stuff but then it gets to SummerSlam 97 when they do this spot where they're going to reverse Tombstone pile drivers over and over again and I've described it on the Austin episode where the a Tombstone pile driver when you hear about it it's like what the Undertaker does he picks you up puts his face kind of facing towards your, his crotch and he falls down on his knees and quote unquote pile drives you and tombstones you 
Owen, even in Calgary, I had seen so many tapes of it where he would pick people up in the same fashion that the Undertaker does, but he would sit down into a classic pile driver move. So he would sit down on his ass. And I, that's how he always did that move. Somehow, between Austin and Owen, when they communicated that spot for the match at SummerSlam 97, that something got lost in translation. So Austin thought he was going to fall forward, but Owen dropped on his ass. And when he dropped on his ass, Austin was preparing for the other other thing that fall forward. And Owen was preparing for the fall on his ass. And he dropped Austin uh, right on his fucking head and compressed his spine. And we covered it on the Austin episode, created all kinds of fucking injuries for Austin. And, and, you know, I, uh, it just happens, right? Like. It, it it just so happened to happen at you know the second biggest pay per view of the year at SummerSlam, and it happened on the night that oh that Austin was supposed to stun him clean and beat him for the IC belt, and, and you know the Austin Rocket was supposed to take off in the stardom, you know, or the the stars. Sure, and uh, it just didn't happen like that, and and it was awkward. I don't want to you know talk about it. Go to the end of the match. Uh, it, we played a clip from the Austin episode. Go to SummerSlam '97 and watch it, not because it's fun, but because it's. Uh, it's super uncomfortable and it's also super important. I yeah. Mean. It's super important, but super uncomfortable. And Austin, even in his book said he never really forgave Owen until Owen died. Like that, that, that it's just, there's a lot of stuff that went on. Like, you know, usually when you hurt someone in the wrestling industry, you call them the next day when they're in the hospital. Are you okay? You go and visit them and all that stuff. Austin um, said that Owen never called him and he, he got mad at that and he couldn't figure out why. And later, when you read Brett's book and other people's books, that he was Owen was so ashamed that he couldn't call Austin and even say he was sorry. And he was very, very fucking sorry. But he just was so ashamed and embarrassed that he couldn't even call Austin. He felt calling Austin every day would be a a, like a slap in Austin's face as a reminder. So Austin never knew that Austin got mad at him and harbored a lot of ill will towards him for a couple of years after that. And uh, but Owen, on the other end, was just he couldn't call and apologize because he felt like I'm going to insult the guy's intelligence. And uh, it's sad. That really sucks. It really sucks because not only because we know what happened to Owen later, but because uh, he wasn't. They never they never truly reconciled. Yeah, Owen was not a reckless guy. He really wasn't. No, no, and, no. He, he didn't hurt. And he didn't, didn't mean to do it. To and it point. just ha- it just he just did it on the guy on a live pay-per-view, the second biggest pay-per-view of the year on a guy that they were getting ready to strap the rocket to. And Owen fucking dropped him on his head. And, and it sucks. It, it sucks. An opportunist with Owen Let's see what Austin can do with Eamon. No. Yeah, which, quite frankly, is probably a really good reason why you don't see pile drivers happen. Yeah, it's one of the big reasons. Yeah, so it's quite impressive uh, of of how the the wrestling world changes because of one incident. What also is interesting is is in spite of all that, I mean, Owen actually came out with shirts saying. Owen 316 says, I just broke your neck. With Austin's so permission. Even, even like, I, I'm, I'm just saying, I know that sounds really terrible, but 
at the same time, this shows how Owen was just way ahead of his time. With well, and he got permission I mean, for that, and they shame, knew he still they, used it. Once they realized the the condition of Austin, they knew eventually he would come back. So they were obviously yeah. prepping for a rematch to where Austin could beat him proper. Sure, point. and they and they did that yeah. right. They actually did eventually. Survivor Series ninety seven. And they did this. So, you know, they get Survivor Series 97. We, we know that um, Stone Cold beats Owen the way he should have, right? And we talk about that very detailed in the Austin episode. So let's jump ahead a little bit. We got 97, 98. We're going to talk about the Black Heart, Lone Heart era. Owen yes. actually developed the, fa- quote, face with an attitude, unquote, after attacking Shawn Michaels at In Your House, uh, D-Generation X. He actually feuded with all of D-Generation X, even coming close to uh, to beating Michaels. Okay. Yeah. And he actually even comes close to beating Michaels for the title in, in a December 97 episode of Raw, causing Triple H to interfere. Um, and even actually, uh, at actually the, after this point... Too. Jesus. Yeah, Owen wins the Euro title from Triple H, and they actually trade that title back and forth a little bit. Um, Hart turns heel by attacking Kim Shamrock uh, four weeks later uh, after WrestleMania. You know, and, and that's becomes, a, a good point to go. Yeah. They had a pretty good WrestleMania match for the European title, uh, Triple H and Owen. Yeah, it was good. And, uh, and, you know, this was all after Brett got screwed. And again, I don't want to talk too much about the Montreal screw job because I'm, it's been talked about to death. But Owen did not leave. They convinced him to stay and write his contract out and stuff. And at this point, it's yeah. important to note that Owen and his wife were on a retirement plan. They did not want Owen to wrestle past like another like three, four years. And they had a dream home that they had in mind and they wanted Owen to save up money. And Owen wanted to be a firefighter for a long time. And like, you know, yep. that that's sure. if he wasn't going to retire when he got out of wrestling, he was going to become part of the fire Academy in Canada. And, and him and his wife were going to live the rest of their life in their dream home, watching the sun come up every day and watching it go down. And that was their plan. So at this point, Brett and Owen talked when Brett got screwed and they decided even Brett said stay because the contract you're getting there is good. You know, you'll get a constant push. You might get a spike in money if you come to WCW, but they're going to bury you. So just stay with WWF, ride your contract out. You're going to make the money that you want to make to retire like you want and yeah. you can leave because they, they, because they based everything on your appearances yes. and what you got paid on the show on the house. Show. Yeah. So, and then you Owen would always draw. So they were going to put them in the, they were going to put them in. So, um, a little bit different now, obviously, but that's what it was back then. So Owen was always going to be a big part of a house draw because Owen was good. Owen is Owen will always be known as amazing, right? Um, so um, we talk about uh, you know he turns heel. He actually attacks Kim Shamrock after WrestleMania about four weeks after, and this is really amazing. He actually I becomes co leader. I love it. He. But he becomes co-leader with The Rock in the Nation of Domination. Only yes, Owen can pull this too. off. And they start a feud with DX as well. And uh, I, this is this is hilarious, guys. Uh, talk about the famous parody that comes in with it. Just because, Jess, have at it. I want to talk about the Nugget story. I want to talk about the <laughs> just Triple H and Sean making fun of the Nation of Domination. It is so, it, it's just gold. I mean, you know, dig in. Yeah, you know, they, they dug it in. You know, Michael's them came up with, you know, like, you're the last heart. Because, like, 
when Brett got screwed in left, Jim Nyhart went with him. Bulldog went with him to WCW. So Owen yeah, was like the only ba- one they left. They bailed out, yeah. So, so DX, you know, they were pushing the envelope and trying to be risque. And they said, you know, they compared Owen to, like, you know, when you take a shit in the toilet and you flush it and that one little piece comes back up and just won't fucking go down. That's Owen Hart. He's the heart nugget. And so that's the why nugget. that's why Owen would be like, I'm not a nugget on a lot of his promos I'm and all that stuff. Nugget. Like, yeah, they kind yeah. of became famous. Even his they theme were just, song. They were, I'm not a nugget. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. So that's yeah, that's how Owen led into that. I'm gonna play his <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, yeah, it, it is. It, it's great TV, and it, it kept people tuned in. And like I said, Jess, this is where everything kind of, you know, the, the wars are coming in pretty hot and heavy here pretty quick. And uh, this is the kind of stuff that kept people engaged, along with what was on top of Stone Cold and everything else, right? So, um, and then you know, this is this is going to get a little tough. We'll, we'll do our best, but. 98-99, we talk about Jeff Jarrett and the Blue Blazer return. SummerSlam 98, Owen teams up with Jeff Jarrett, and there's talk of a storyline where Deborah, their manager, and uh, Owen have a, an affair. You know, that was actually talked about quite a bit. But Owen shuts that down. He's not really about that. I think that's kind of about his personal relationship at home with his wife. He just he didn't want to do that. So Instead, there's Owen using the storyline of injuring Dan Severin, and he quits the WWF over over injuring uh, Dan Severin. In storyline, he in storyline, yes. So he quote unquote injures him. Yeah, he quits the WWF, and this all comes down because Owen wants to bring back the blue blazer gimmick, but heel style, right? So it's all gimmick comically. Uh, it's a story of Owen and Jarrett. Uh, they made that the way by proving that the blue blazer the whole time was not Owen Hart. They would kind of go back and forth. They would rib it all the way through. And that duo actually won the tag titles in January of 99, from Shamrock and Boss Man, which is kind of a weird pairing, but you know. But they clicked uh, but anyway, though. Jeff Jarrett and uh, and Owen clicked. Yeah, they did, and they made it work. And let me let me just say, since Brett left, sure. Like Vince was trying, but honestly, like they didn't have any plans for Owen, and Owen just kind of like fell in the no. mid card. And again, it shows how talented he is. And Jeff and him really wanted to make it work. And Jeff Jarrett in real life loved Owen Hart. And you'll we'll talk about it more when when we get to what happens with Owen and. uh Jeff Jarrett is really like emotional about it. And they were really good friends. And like, they both kind of saved each other because Jeff was kind of floundering a little bit and trying to figure out. And so was Owen. And like, they just gravitated to each other and made that tag team work. And it was, it was over. It was fun. And Deborah was a big part of that too. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. Like I said, they won those tag titles in January of 99. uh, And then they would lose them in April of same year to Kane and X-Pac. Another interesting pairing, right? <sighs> so, um, don't know how else to bring this up. This is where the Over the Edge pay-per-view, this is May 23rd in 1999. This is the horrible incident that causes Owen to uh, tragically uh, pass away. Um, you know, guys, you can interrupt me wherever you want to. This is hard to talk about because I think we're all very fond of Owen and, 
Um, there, there's tons of things that happen here down the road that are just, I got to tell you, it, it's, it's, it's just a damn shame, you know, um, uh, after his death as well. So um, let's talk about it. We all know that Owen, you know, for whatever reason in the Blue Blazer gimmick, he's coming down uh, very similar to how Shawn Michaels was coming down on a harness with quick release. I think, I think uh, Shawn Michaels was not a quick release. He was very much, uh, secured to that line, but basically it was a zip line to come down into the ring. And because he wanted to have that quick release to get out quickly, I think, I think he, there was even a plan of him to like kind of flip out of it. Um, but that quick release actually failed and he fell several feet. And I believe if I'm not mistaken, you guys can correct me wrong. He actually hit the, the, uh, still cable ropes, um, first thing. And, incredibly tragic and um i i know that they they brought medics in and they carried him out but he was if, basically um, um yeah please go ahead please they, jump you know in. recently recently you know, everybody knows conrad thompson like you know he made bruce pritchard kind of relevant again and he took over sure. shivani and bischoff and all that stuff but he recently took over jr's podcast and they did like their second or third episode in was the death of owen and jim ross mm. was there he was commentating that night yeah and uh uh I know this sounds stupid for me to say, but I'm, I'm a forgive me if I get emotional because let me tell you, I didn't see this pay-per-view. I was supposed to, but I had to work that day. And when I got home from work, I, I was renting an apartment at the time and I uh, got in my house and I saw a flashing message on my answering machine. Cause he has back then we had answering machines and um, yeah. uh, it was my good buddy, Chris. And he had been watching the pay-per-view and he was like, did you, Hey Jess, it's Chris. Like, I, did you see what happened to Owen? I don't know if it's real or fake, but major media outlets are picking it up, and I, I don't know what's going on. I think it's real, and so I got the the replay immediately, and they did not replay it, and it was uh, it, they cut out that match. They replayed the pay per view, but they cut out that match, and so I had to sure. read everything online, and uh, so I never saw it, and nobody nobody saw it that I saw know, it live. I never either, by the way, the way when, the live pay per view never showed it. The when it happened was. They went to the match, so they went to the video package like they always do leading up to that match. It was supposed to be Owen Hart in the Blue Blazer costume versus the Godfather for the IC belt. And I do believe Owen was supposed to win and um, as the Blue Blazer. What happened was, and the way they told it, and, and go back and listen to the Conrad and Jim Ross episode on grilling JR. And uh, it's emotional, and Conrad almost cries, and uh, and they talk about it because he reads excerpts from Martha's book book and people's other books. And uh, basically what happened was there was a safety device that was put on there, but Owen wore a big cape as the blue blazer and it was kind of stressing the, the, the connection. So Owen kept trying to flip the cape. This is what Martha put in her book. So Martha must've heard a lot of information from other people. And, uh, and when he went to flick it to get the cape back, he did a big jerk and it pulled the safety uh, clasp apart. And he fell to his death. And the referee that was in the ring, he said, all he remembers is a wish, like a whoosh, like going right next to him. And he saw Owen hit like the ropes in the turnbuckle face first from all the way up at the top of the Kemper arena. And uh, it was like 85 feet or some shit like that. I 75 feet or something like that. I don't remember. I don't want to quote it wrong. And uh, yeah. And he fell to the mat on his back. And uh, when Conrad lost it, it was like Martha described in her book that he was trying to get up <clears throat> and, uh, and he was just trying to sit up and 
it's stupid that I'm crying right now, but like I love wrestling so much. And like when you see something stupid like this happen where like they did a stupid gimmick, Sting had been doing it for like a year before. And the guy that that was up there with Owen had actually physically done it with Sting. And uh, I don't know if they changed the clasp or they did something different, but like uh, they just they changed something and didn't really do. They did like a half ass rehearsal. And I know there's lawsuits against the company that was supposed to be in charge of the safety and the Martha suit WWF and all that stuff. And I don't even know the details on that. But what happened was I'm just talking about like a, like a father that was up there and he was just doing a fucking stupid character. And I'm sorry to get mad, but that's all he was doing. And he's you know, we talk about. We get upset about, you know, storylines being done wrong and this guy's not being pushed or whatever. But this guy was up being lured from a cable doing a stupid fucking character, doing an acting job. And he fucking fell and died. And his, his wife and his kids are alive now. And he couldn't build that dream home. And maybe I'm crying because I have kids that are two and a half years old. And I couldn't imagine it. Uh, maybe I'm crying because I'm stupid and we kind of alcohol ourselves a little bit before this show. But like, I remember being upset and I cried when I heard the answering machine message in 1999 because this is, I just felt like this is dumb. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what, you know, wrestling's fake and we take it all seriously and we get mad when Samoa Joe's booked to lose every week and all that stuff. And, you know, we joke about that. But like, this fucking guy like fell from the top of a fucking arena to do a stupid fucking stunt. Like, and, and I can't get mad at Russo because people want to do that and get mad at Vince and the company. It's hard. It's hard, but I'm just mad at the, the situation, right? I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not even blaming the guy that, that, that half ass trained him about the harness. He was up there and he was elevated and he jerked his curtain, his, his cape, according to his wife's book. And it just caused the clasp to open up and he fell. And the description is making me cry because the ref describes it as like this fucking force hitting the turnbuckle. And you just look and you looked at him and you just see Owen on the ground on his back. And he tried to raise his arms and sit up. And that image to me, even though nobody ever saw it live on pay-per-view and Jim Ross described the same thing because Jim Ross is like, we commentate and we look at our monitors and I just saw whoosh go down on my monitor and I looked up in the ring and I just see the ref and he had a confused look on his face. And I see a body laying in the corner and nobody, I mean, the, it happened in a second and nobody could process it. So people that critique Vince for not canceling the event, I don't know what you do at this point. I think about it. Yeah, that was you have was you have like seventeen thousand people the, or sixteen thousand yeah, people in the event, right? In the I, arena. I watched it live on pay per view. Yeah, so you did see it. Like you not, did, not, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't show the, it, but like, yeah. The and then Jim Ross had to fucking give reports, and he had Jim Ross was live on the air when he had to come across and say Owen Hart has died. Yes. And like, this is a guy that yes, they all knew that had played ribs on his family. And everybody else, like, it's, it's just this realistic thing that we watch a fake wrestling show and it's a show and we take it so seriously. It just makes me feel silly for taking it all seriously, right? For getting mad when a guy's not pushed when we're just talking about a guy who fell and, and died. And, like, in the most horrific fucking way, like, I don't even want to know what the man thought before he hit the turnbuckle. I don't even know if he thought anything. I... I 
did he think about his family? I don't know. Like, it's just so fucking crazy and fucking like, what the fuck? Right? Am I being over like dramatic about it? Or no, it's no, fucking no, nuts. I, I think uh, it's nuts, dude. I, like, and it's not I, I because it's think, not because he was like a Hogan or a or. And I'm not trying to belittle uh, you know Owen's position in the wrestling world. It's not like it was a Hogan dying or a Flair, or a, you know Austin or this big star. I mean, Owen was a big star. I'm not saying that. It's like he was just a. a it happened to be this guy that was super funny in the back, and the guy that made a lot of the other wrestlers feel comfortable from being away from their wives and their family every day. And he would do funny shit and make them laugh. And this guy died like that. I'm fucking, I feel embarrassed for crying, but like, it's just so fucking like, what the fuck are we doing? Dropping a guy from the ceiling. Right. But nobody knew, nobody knew. And maybe again, you know, I'm sorry for being stupid. Well, back in those days, Jess, I really feel that. Um, I remember when Chris people, left me the the message the situation, on the, they they feel they feel very much invincible. You when, know, he, when he left the I message, think, uh, nobody nobody realized what was going to happen. Yeah, my friend I mean, Chris, when he left that message, when I heard the message on the answer machine, I cried. I remember distinctly after hearing that, and I didn't even know anything yet, like because I'd missed the pay per view and him falling, and I just cried because I was like Owen, like what, like. He's great. Like, and, and I'd heard, you know, internet was kind of in, in its infancy and I'd heard all the great stories about him and about how funny he was and how he tried to make light in the back. And, you know, he's just that guy that people would just laugh at. You know, you hear the stories from Foley where they'd be at house shows and he would go and, you know, like they sell the popcorn in the big, huge plastic bags, like in the arenas. And Owen grabbed one from the front row at a house show and started beating Foley with it. And Foley said he was just laughing his fucking ass off because he couldn't believe that Owen would go out to the crowd and, and grab this big fucking popcorn bag and beat Owen or beat uh, Foley with it like it was a steel chair. And Foley had to sell it, but he was laughing as he was selling it. And there were other shit that easiest, he would do. Easiest night of his life. Yeah, right? Undertaker never laughed. And and but when Undertaker was in a tag match across from Owen, you would just see Undertaker with his head down and his body shaking because he'd be laughing because Owen would do just stupid shit and make everybody laugh and it's like god that guy well you hear you hear all the the deadlifts you know owen would like make his body heavy yeah and yeah just shit like that just fucking yeah, that that guy's the one that died really and i'm not saying anybody deserved to die i'm just saying like that guy really that guy's the one that fell and in you the know, most horrific way we've ever man. known in wrestling that guy that yeah. guy that brought so much light and and talked about normal awesome stuff americana stuff right i want to retire with my wife i want to fucking watch the sunrise sure i want to build our dream home and watch our kids and every day i want to watch the sunset and kiss him good night that guy died like this what the fuck are we doing yeah. what the fuck and, is going and, you on know, you know just just to kind of put some light on that if there were more people like owen in a uh wrestling uh persona like today like the machine like wwe You'd have less complaints, quite frankly, because it would make the road easier. It would make things a little bit um, more bearable, and you wouldn't have all the issues you have today. I mean, I, I I know it's crazy to think that way, but there are people in your life that just make things more fun, and it makes your life. And but your that's life the guy, personally, more bearable. You know what I mean? He was I, again. I'm not saying any guy deserves to die like that, but I mean, like that's the guy, really, that dies like that. What the fuck are we doing? Yeah. What the fuck is going on, Mike? I mean, you know, think about it right now. Je- Jeff Jarrett is still wrestling on a part-time basis. I mean, Owen would still be working yeah. right now. Uh, he I mean, would I'm probably be a big part in WWE going forward. He'd be in the Hall of Fame right now. Coach or something. Yeah, He'd be in the, the Hall, Hall of Fame, fame right sure. now. It, 
Yeah, his career. Yeah, we're going to talk about that because you know his his career would have been profound uh, throughout wrestling, even in WWF or WWE and beyond, uh, because he would have been able to influence so many others for a longer period of time had we not lost him so soon. Speaking of that aftermath, uh, Jess just uh, commented, he would have been in the Hall of Fame without question. So let's talk about those issues. Talk about why he's not there. Um, There are several wrestlers already that are just begging for Owen to be there. Um, Jess or Cuz, can you expand on that? Why it hasn't happened? I think I think many know, but not everybody does. I think it needs to be discussed. And he is in other Hall of Fames, um, but not the WWE Hall of Fame. Why is that? Uh, Martha, his wife, his widow, um, yep. does not want it because she believes that uh, you could say she's wrong or right, but she still yeah. she he died there. And she felt that he died needlessly and yeah. uh, that stunt didn't need to happen. And the, the blue blazer could have been still the character where he was because the whole character that he was before the blue blazer was he was like Owen would be in the ring and then they would have somebody else come in as a blue blazer costume and be like, see, we're two separate people. But people really knew that it was Owen Hart. You know what I mean? They were doing this whole thing where Owen was kind of mentally kind of having a breakdown and becoming the blue blazer, his alter ego. You know, that's kind of to, yeah. to lead you in. And so she just felt like you could have done that storyline without luring him from the cables and you didn't have to do it. And Sting being successfully, you know, lowered from the cable almost almost every week in 97 every from month, WCW, that it was something yeah. they could do. And so, again, I'm not even blaming WWE for this and or whoever wrote that. It's stupid. You know, when Piper and Cornette used to get on the horn, and they blamed Russo for that. Like, that's stupid. And, um, you know, it was wrestling. Nobody knew. Uh, it's easy to look back and be like, yeah, you know, that it's, it, you know, a Monday morning quarterback. But but yeah, like she doesn't want him to be in there because I don't know if the lawsuit's still active, but she still blames them for that. So she's just like, I don't feel that uh, he should be in the Hall of Fame because it's what they want and they will view it as closure. And she's like, it's not that I want them to suffer. It's just that I don't think you should ever be graced in their halls because it's it. it, it I, I not only did I have an active lawsuit against the company that was supposed to be teaching him safety. And, and, and I believe that's been settled out, but still she's not going yeah. to allow it. And, uh, and can I tell you, there are some people that are just like, get the fuck over it. Let him be in it. You know, whatever. That is so selfish. That is so hard. You can't make it. That is so selfish. And I will say this. Um, I support her a hundred percent. And if she never wants him to be in WWE hall of fame, then I don't give a shit. Then he will never be in the WWE hall of fame. And it's totally fine because it didn't stop me. It didn't stop me from being emotional thinking about his death right now. It doesn't stop anything. So it's fine. If he gets there and she eventually lets it, that's fine. Even Brett's come out and gone against her and said, you should let my brother. But you know yeah, what? That, I mean, no. If she doesn't want it to happen, it doesn't need to fucking happen. That's it. That's uh, it. I'm with, I'm with you on that. If they if they can't come to a compromise with her, I will never be mad at at Martha for that. No. Like I said, guys, we Martha was going to be a big part of this discussion at the end, but we had to discuss. She was, she was part a big part of his... I would say two thirds of his life, so it is important. They met in high school. I mean, come on, you know. So his life ended yeah. so suddenly. She was a big part of the majority of his life, and it does matter. Um, one thing I'll, I'll caveat to this, and I just I'm probably playing devil's advocate. I might catch shit later on in some comments, but what I really wish, and, and you see, and this is the thing. I'm not a Mark Henry fan. Mark Henry's okay. 
you know, he's he had his moment, he has 15 minutes, whatever. I I really believe that Mark Henry's statements in his Hall of Fame speech asking begging Owen to be in there is so heartfelt. I think it, so. it's not it is it's not it's on raw. It's his, not, his, it's in yeah, the, it's it, in the, his it his heart is in the right place but it's not his decision. Yes. No. And she does Agreed. not have no, to No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. But what I what I'm saying is is that you know, his heart's in the right place and I totally agree with that and he's begging for that to happen because they know I think that at this point there's nobody more deserving of that Hall of Fame segment at this moment in time, right? Because Hogan's in, Flair's in, all these big names, Sting's in. They're in. You know, there's nobody at this moment. Not even that. I go at the, the lower end, you know, fucking Hillbilly's sure. in, Coco's in, you know, uh, Boris yeah, is in. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So when you when you look at the when you look at the legacy of Owen Hart, there's nobody at this moment more deserving than him to be in that nostalgic sure. ring. Now here's so here's the thing. What I really hope, and I'll catch shit for it, what I really, really hope somehow, someday, somewhere. Because I really believe the reason why Martha's upset about it is, you know, she blames him for one. But also, I don't think she wants him to profit on his death in any way, shape, or form. And I completely understand that. I completely respect it. So, and I've talked about this briefly on other podcasts, our free-for-alls, our dark sessions that maybe we didn't lay down and we didn't release. But I really believe they can come to a compromise that anything they do for Owens Hall of Fame um, induction, any kind of... um, you know, soft, soft merch that they sell based on that. It completely goes to Owen and Martha's charity. And I, I think they can work that out. I really believe I there's they, a way they can do it. Yeah. But, but the, I, I but know I think, you're right. I know you're right. And I respect that opinion, profit. but like, she doesn't have yeah. to do shit. No, and she if doesn't she doesn't want agreed, to. Agreed. If she doesn't want to, there's I, nothing wrong with that. I, you know I, what? I like never sometimes you gotta, you know, it's like people get really mad and I know we're, you know, this is like way reaching, People get mad at CM Punk for walking away and just being like, fuck this place. Fuck you. And not going to another promotion, just walking the fuck away and trying MMA and doing whatever. And people can't accept that. And I think, and it's not the same thing, but it is with Martha. It's like, she's like, no, fuck you. I want to get as far away as I can from you. And I'm not going to disrespect his legacy. He wrestled in sure. Canada. He his family was a wrestling whatever. But like you know, so you can get in this Hall of Fame. You can put in that Hall of Fame. But like you're not yeah. going to go here because they want to fucking rape your name. And like and so you can say she's writing in that that comment or wrong. But she's go ahead, Martha. Go ahead, like because like it doesn't matter. You don't have to have well, it. The only, the only thing I'll say to that, and I'm with, with, I, I just, I bring up the punk thing because like people get violently upset with him because they're like, you walked away, but they really, they really want him to come back. They really want him to come back. It's like, they're hoping that they could say something so sharp and cutting that it hurts him to turn around. They're hoping so hard that they could fucking mark out your fucking selfish and all this stuff. And she's going to be like, you know what? You're right. No, like don't, don't cave to that pressure. Say no, say no until you die, Martha. Say no until you die because no one has had to live through Whoa. that. No one's had to get that call and her to think that guy that told me, yes, baby, let's build our dream house. We're going to watch the sunrise and you. sunset. She has that memory of him and that she never gets to say goodbye to him. Her talk was like the yeah. night, I think the morning of the pay-per-view where he was like, oh, I'm kind of nervous or whatever. I'll call you when the show's over. That was their fucking lazy, sloppy last conversation. 
And when 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 she it. got to I say goodbye it. to the guy that they planned, there. he was going to retire like when he was young and maybe go into yeah. firefighting or whatever. But they got to have their dream house built and they could hold hands when the sun came up and oh. when it went down every day yeah. and they could greet their kids uh. when they came home from school and nobody could tell her. And maybe it's because I have kids now that I, I understand that point of view that you can't like the simple uh, request of can we put your husband in the Hall of Fame, pal? She's like, well, how about yeah. no? How about fuck you? Like, no. Yeah. Because all my me. memories about, are gone. How about, all my fucking. Just, how about know. how about fuck you? How about go fuck yourself? And I get that. I yeah. understand that. Um, I'll, I'll but it'll be with her forever. It'll the, be with her forever. Until the until the legacy of it, Jess. Here's the thing. Um, and I really hope that she's not. And if she's not angry and she's not holding on to this anger and this hatred in her heart, which is truly killing her, then, yeah, do whatever you want. But if she's truly that angry, and that's the thing, I hope that one day this will find a resolution for everyone where she can let loose of that hatred and she can let go. And there's there's a um, a lesson to be learned here. And everybody, hopefully everybody, the majority of people kind of get what they want, which is what he deserves to be in that hall. But what I'm saying is no profitability. No, that's not what it's about. I don't think anybody wants that. They're they're billionaires now. Hopefully, you know, hopefully that's not even an issue. I think she's even against that because I agree with what you're saying. But the ratings yeah. that they'll get, or the views, or the the new subscribers on the network, she'll still hold that anger. Yeah, right? you can't yeah. you can't give that to her charity. Like in other words, like she knows yeah. that the Hall of Fame now is broadcast on the network. So sometimes people that love Owen, and if you finally get the announcement that Owen will be put in the Hall of Fame, will go out of their way to spend the ten dollars to get the network yeah. for that night, if anything. And she's like, you will not see a dime like you will not. And you know what? Like, you're right. If she can put it to rest and her decision is to finally do it. Fine. Fine. I will watch it. I'll yeah, watch it. That, and, but at the and same time, like, uh, I hope I, I hope it gives her some solace and it gives her some. It, it I don't know, though, how that can give her solace of, of the vision of her husband, which I'm sure she replays over and over in her head. Going, yeah. yeah, you know what? Let's plan yeah. this and let's plan our, our dream house. And can you imagine us holding hands and watching I something? Get it. That is a, that is a haunting memory that I don't think she can ever let go of. And and and, and that's and, fine. And just think of it like this. Here, here's here's Maybe, what I'm you know what though. She, but but she, here's the thing though. If she holds if she holds no anger and doesn't want to do it, right. That that's what I'm saying. That, maybe that maybe her maybe her me. calmness that and her that's like that's a great point, Dave. That's an excellent point. Maybe maybe her calmness right now is saying no. Maybe her saying no yes. makes it the pain go away and her being like, you know what? I feel like the world is right. I don't know. Maybe it I'm, does. I'm, ha- Maybe it I'm does. happy. I'm not angry, but I, you know, cause she, cause I would be okay with that. Jess. Br- I just don't Brett want, even I don't said want in her, her book that she would hate, forever. you know, when she would come over for family yeah. functions, when they talk about wrestling, she would want to leave the room. Yeah. She hated it. She always wanted him to retire and be a firefighter and, and do what I said, build their dream home and all that stuff. And they had that plan laid out like a couple of years before he mm-hmm. died and it was stolen from them. Whatever, so, whatever grants her relief. If yeah. that's, if that's allowing it or not allowing yeah. it. I would, Oh my gosh, all day. I just don't want her to hate her. I don't want her to, I don't want her to hate her situation, her involvement forever. Yeah. I, I, that's not fair to her and her family. Just make her it, suffer it, more. it would be killing. It would no, be right. Killing and, I, would yeah. suffer even and she, more. and she does have an incredible, she does have an incredible foundation to the cause of, of Owen and um, it, it's fantastic. So, um, you know, if anybody wants to look that up, I mean, completely support it. it it's, it's still going strong. And, um, 
you know, she, she's doing a lot with what she can over this tragedy. And I, I completely commend her for that. I'm not trying to force it. I'm not trying to say it. I'm saying whatever grants her the ability to let that hatred go. If she hasn't already, if she has, I'm so happy for her and proud of her to do that. Cause I don't know what I would do. And I think Jess is the same way. Jess has shown in this podcast, how emotional it is. And he doesn't, we don't even know Owen personally, but we know how tragic that could be if, if we left our families and our kids in that situation, um, how that's going to affect their lives. And it's, it's a horrible way to, to leave your family. And cause, cause um, I know we take it seriously. We just hope the best for the heart. We take it seriously. And we do, we get all mad about pushes and this guy should be a healer face or whatever. But like, when you really think about it, like this guy died and I'm going to say from a needless stunt, because obviously it's easy to look back and say that. Right. And I'm not blaming WWE. It's all part of the show. Right. But like, you know, we push it. It's so funny how we get so mad about like storylines, but yet this guy really fell and did all the things. And you have the referee's account of what happened and Jim Ross's account and Martha's, you know, from what she heard from people and wrote in her book. And it's just like this horrific fucking thing. And you're like, what the fuck are we doing? This is fake, right? I know people get mad at that word, you know, and wrestling fans, and we've defended that, you know, it's not fake, it's predetermined, you know, but like, it's it's when someone dies, it's fucking fake, folks. It's an act. You're going to throw all that shit up. It's an act, bro. It's a fucking script, and it's a movie, and this shit did not need to happen. You know, I'm sure people felt the same when uh, uh, Bruce Lee, was it Junior? The one who died at the filming of The Crow? Sure. Brandon, Brandon Lee, Brandon Lee, you know, it's like, dude, this is a fucking movie and he fucking got hit with shrapnel from a fake gun, I think, and killed him. It's so weird. It's just like, this is what the fuck. So I can understand how people get mad at the process because they're like, this fucking is fake. This isn't even life. This isn't even what matters. What you say to your kids before they go to school, that matters. What you say to your wife before you leave for work, that matters. The plan you lay with your wife to retire and what you're going to do with your life, that matters. This is fucking dumb. Like, what the fuck are we doing? You know, what the, who the fuck didn't make sure that gun was fake? Who the fuck didn't make sure that harness, you know, held? Who the fuck didn't plan for his cape to be too heavy to fucking trip the safety cable? You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck? It's easy to do that. It's easy to get mad. I'm just mad that it happened and uh, sorry if I sound stupid on this podcast, you know, and people might think that I'm doing it for attention, but it sucks because I remember crying after I heard that answering machine message and going like, no, like, no, like, cause I knew right then this is a wrestling fake, right? So however he died, however, I'm going to find out that he died is fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. Like, and like, even if he got dropped on his head in a pile driver, like Austin could have easily had happened to him or, you know what I mean? Like that's bullshit too. But like, it's just like, man, like, you know, when someone dies from a stunt being lowered from a cable, that's different than being dropped. Maybe we can briefly talk about it. Uh, I, I, I was more in shock because I was watching the pay-per-view live, like from home, of course, um, on, uh, you know, cable, uh, pay-per-view. And uh, I was more shocked, more like the silent, like, wow, like, can't believe it. Where I actually cried was the next night on Raw, the tribute. Oh, that, yeah, that Jesus tribute. Christ. I mean, like, to say it's good TV is, is a disservice because, like, it's not it's not good TV. It's not about that. No. But, like, yeah, man, like, sometimes I do. Like, every now and then I'll go back and watch that and, and I'll kind of, I'll cry. I'm going to be honest. And, like, it's just like, fuck. Like, you saw, like, Jeff Jarrett, even the night Jeff of the pay per view, when, when Jeff Jarrett came out to wrestle later yes. that night, yep. you saw he was crying. He was so upset. 
that night and because he knew that he died at that moment and then like you just it's so hard it's so hard to watch them and even on raw like just watching mark henry cry yeah and read that poem yeah. and like all that stuff it's like oh my god like and and, and austin even, to come in and i know i know it was kind of symbolic and it was part of the show and people could say oh but like even i think austin wouldn't have done it if austin didn't mean it he cheered his yeah. pitcher because he was kind of like i'm letting it go what you did to me was nothing compared to how you left us like so hey man we're cool you know and i think austin really did a a great job not as a performer but as a human being saying goodbye yeah austin did an amazing job saying like it's dude it's it's cool i forgive you because like what happened to you is just like not even good like you know we there's so many we voluntarily wrestle we trust each other with moves and it could happen we could be too sweaty or put too much baby oil on it we could drop someone on their head that all that that happens are you are you can dead weight but what happened with you is is a something that's way different and let me tell you owen and the way he cheers them was just like goodbye and like it's cool it's okay you know like yeah and like austin even said later he forgave him and all that stuff and it was just kind of that way and like yeah it's uh yeah i mean i don't know how you want to end it but it's just like it's uh well yeah when he was gone it was it was over you know you got uh when you talk about when you talk about his legacy there's 12 titles that i can count over his time frame over his wrestling career owen won every wwf championship other than the heavyweight title um he's a king of the ring winner He's a three-time Slammy Award winner, which I love when he would carry those around and tell everybody how he was a Slammy Award winner. Um, he took things uh, like dropping, you know, Stone Cold on his head and carrying T-shirts saying, you know, I broke your neck and all that kind of stuff. He would he would take even the worst of situations and make them into the best of them. And because of that, Owen was truly ahead of his time. Truly ahead of his time, so he had to li- that- he had to live in the shadow of Brett, and so many people consider Brett sure. like one of the best ever. And I Brett's work is like second to none. And like you know, when you're talking about the pro wrestling realm, like he had to he had to come and be be a star over Brett Star, which Brett was huge. Brett was a great technician and knew how to get people over. And Brett, Brett, I know we said it in the Austin episode. Like it it sounds plain to say this, but Brett was a fucking great phenomenal professional wrestler and i said the same thing about austin and if you really think about what that means what i said that's that's a big deal and like uh, that's the the very fucking sport or whatever you want to call it that they do he was a fucking brett so for owen to have to be like i have to be kind of different than brett and be as good as brett you know not only to wrestle him but be my own guy after him um that's how good owen was so think yeah, about that to be I'm, different and better than god like or i don't even know about better i'm not even going to start that talk but he tried i'm saying he tried but yeah he tried. like to be like to be part of the hard family and owen was even before he died people knew who owen was like and he had a great feud with brett and so people knew it with the name owen hart so before he died he was still revered and people loved him not only for the way he made people feel at ease in the back but how good he was in the ring and again the second match i never talked about was king of the ring 94 um you guys out there want to bitch that so-and-so only got a five-minute match go and watch a live pay-per-view match which was legitly almost five minutes to the second of one two three kid versus owen hart and the second round i want to say of the king of the ring tournament and the king of the ring pay-per-view 94 and it is a fucking great match and they wrapped it up in a bow in five fucking minutes with entrances and everything and go back and watch this match and it's fucking it's so good and like you're just gonna be like, oh, 
I'm a dumb shaker for complaining that I only got five minutes. No, go watch these yeah. fucking guys. They went out in five minutes in live time on a pay-per-view and tore the fucking house down. And Owen and, and Kid deserve the credit too. Uh, Six Pac, Sean Waltman, whatever you want to call them. Um, like they were so good. Go back and watch that match from King of the Ring 94. Owen versus one, two, three kid. A, a perfect example of a five minute match when you want to bitch next time. Then you only get five, only got five minutes, including my entrances. Okay, go watch this match, fucker, and then feel stupid afterwards because you just saw two pros that knew what they had to do in five minutes because it's their fucking job. Like, and they knew it. And like, it's, it's good. So, Owen to me is that. And, uh, yeah, it sucked and whatever. I cried. I don't care. It, it's yeah, it's all good. I did when it happened, you know, because I was just like, no way. Like, this is dumb. You know, like, this is just really dumb. And I'm not saying I was more advanced than other people who heard the news and didn't cry or whatever. It was just my guttural reaction. When I heard that on my answer machine, I, I heard the message and I was like, no. Like, and I remember just getting super, like, watery eyed and being like, no, like, this can't be right. This is fucking stupid. If it's a, it's a, if it's a work, you're crossing the line. That's more than pro wrestling should be. Right. But then I was like, it can't be. And I started reading shit, you know, online and stuff. And I was like, Oh my God, like he died. He he's fucking re- died. He's like, really gone. Yeah. He's gone. Like yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. And, uh, you know, hopefully what'll come of it when we talk about this and in, in later terms. And we always talk about, Oh, and in the underrated moments and the great ribs and the great matches. So I, I know this is the unfortunate way that this podcast has to end. But I hope that everybody starts to look at that Owen Hart legacy and look at that talent realm and look at what he did for wrestling before his death. I mean, it's very tragic. He'd probably still be having impact on it today. But one thing you have to understand is that Owen does have impact on wrestling today. Anything that's high flying, anything that um, is great mechanic working, um, you know, in eighty nine, in eighty nine, he was, was doing shit. He, he was doing this stuff. He saw in Mexico and Japan and in Canada, and he brought it as a blue yes. blazer in eighty nine. It was he was just trying it, and in a federation, yeah, I mean, in a federation that was all big boys and you know cartoon yeah. characters, and he was trying. It. He tried it, and it was it was it's cool it to watch. Was phenomenal. It was successful. He was an American trendsetter. So you know, with that, guys, you can reach us at Instagram at OWP2019, SoundCloud at Our Wrestling Podcast, YouTube at Our Wrestling Channel, or, like I said, do the easy thing. Download Wrestle app, I'm oh, sorry, WrestlePost app at no charge to you, and join us along with other great podcasts of today. This is the OWP, signing off. Have a good one, guys. Then there's Bad News Brown, the Brooklyn Brawl, with all their dirty street fighting tactics, and they use that to win. Then there's guys like Mr. Perfect, Kurt Henning. You think you're the greatest wrestler in the world. Well, Mr. Perfect, you step in the ring with the blue blazer and let me show you what great wrestling is all about. Because each and every one of you guys have your own styles, but I too have my own unique style. And I use that acrobatic maneuver to beat you guys one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And that's my strategy, to beat you guys with my great wrestling acrobatics. And that's what's going to get me to the top of the World Wrestling Federation. So all you big, tough, arrogant, nasty wrestlers, come on, I'm ready for you. In the ring. The blue blaze.